0: A while back I was in a coffee shop and the woman next to me, obviously in urgent need of some more power, plugged her phone into the wall like this. I was like, that is a lot of trust in that cable. And I took a photo and posted it with the caption, Faith. To which my friend Dominic replied, Faith in a higher power. There are many things that we need more power for. Maybe it's the power simply to carry on, or maybe the power to make a Jesus-shaped decision at work. Maybe the power to decide to forgive someone. And for all of us, we all need the power to overcome the hold of sin, the destructive patterns in our lives, so that we can be truly free and enjoy following Jesus. Now the good news is that if you're feeling tired and in need of more power in your life, it is available to you today. And even better news, you're in exactly the right place to receive it. Feeling the need for God's power is not a disqualification from it, it's the entry requirement to receiving it. As Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, when there's less of your power, there's a greater desire for his. And so what is this power and what do we need to know about it? I think of Paul's words in his letter to the Ephesian church when he says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And so to help us understand this incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him, the power of the resurrection that he says is at work in us, we're going to look at some of Jesus' first words to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This, if you like, is what he says this is most important that you know about the power of the resurrection. And so our reading is from Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 starting at verse 33. And the story, as we looked at last week, Jesus has been crucified. He dies and is buried and then he's back. And the claim is he's been raised from the dead and he starts appearing to people. And we're told that having appeared to one couple, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true. The Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. While they were talking about all of this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I love this, he, he appears to the one and then the two and then the group, more and more. Like if you're the first person in your family that Jesus has made himself known to, you can be encouraged. You may be the first, but you won't be the last. So there we read, startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, look, what, why are you troubled? Why did doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands, look at my feet, it's I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed him them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and he ate it in their presence. And then this is the bit we're going to focus on today. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Amen. This is such good news. Jesus is about to send his disciples out on the greatest adventure the world has ever seen. And let's be honest, none of them are ready. Nope, they're not even in the zone. They wouldn't be your first picks for your team. First, they are struggling to believe because of fear and doubt. How can this be true? And then they're struggling to believe because of joy and amazement. In other words, this is too good to be true. And so I don't know where you are along that spectrum today, but wherever it is, what Jesus does next is for you, which is he points to his word and he explains it. One of the things that astounds me about Jesus is that he's so concise. Like, it's one of the things I most aspire to become. It's one of the things my wife most aspires for me to become. Um, and, And this is possibly one of the most concise sermons in all of history. Forget the Bible in one year, this is the Bible in one minute. The whole Old Testament in three things that they needed to know now, that we need to know today. Now, one question I did have though as I was reading it is, why do a Bible study? He's physically present and he uses that presence to point to the Bible. And as I thought about it, I think I there's think maybe two reasons. One is to build our confidence that this was God's plan all along. Don't worry guys, this didn't take God by surprise. This isn't a reversal of a defeat. This is what victory looks like. And then also sustainability. He doesn't leave us as orphans. Every one of us can do this. If you want to hear God's voice, you can open his word and he promises to speak to you. Basically, it's a master handover and succession plan. Absolute genius. And it worked as evidenced by you and I being here 2000 years later on the other side of the planet. And this is what he says his disciples needed to know, what you and I need to know as a priority about his resurrection from the dead. This is his Bible in one minute. His Old Testament, too long, didn't read version. His super succinct sermon is this. One, the Messiah will suffer. Two, he will rise from the dead. And three, life change will be offered to all. Down, up, and then out. So first, the first thing he wants them to know is down, that the Messiah will suffer. And this is not what the disciples had expected, nor is it what we are trained to expect. Uh, A few weeks ago, uh, Kate, my wife was in CHDBB with our kids and the team were teaching the children the uh, story of Palm Sunday, when Jesus rode victoriously into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the teacher asked the children, and what did Jesus say as he came into Jerusalem? And this kid at the back shouted, I'm gonna kill you all, and everyone laughed. But kind of that's what we are trained to expect from a hero riding into victory. We are taught to expect power in strength, or strangely, power in victimhood. But Jesus is neither. Jesus comes and he suffers, and at any moment he could have stopped it, but he allows it to happen. And what this means for us is that even in our worst times, we can have hope. I mean, slight understatement here, isn't it? The Messiah will suffer. Jesus, as we saw on Good Friday, died the most painful, shameful death imaginable. He was crucified. It's where we get the word excruciating. But because he was willing to suffer in this way, it means that there is no area of our lives that we can legitimately look at without hope. Doesn't matter how dark it gets, how painful it becomes, we can know that because the Messiah was willing to suffer, it means we can know that Jesus is present there and he is at work there. Because the Messiah was willing to suffer, we can become people of expectation and it doesn't matter how bad the situation. We, we can be people who expect relationships to be restored. We can be people who expect to grow and be free from sin. We can be people who expect to see miraculous healing. We can be people who expect the person we love to encounter the God who loves them even more. We can be people who expect to see political, national and cultural change. Because the Messiah was willing to suffer, it means that there is no area of our lives or our world that we can legitimately look at without hope. So it's down, but of course it doesn't stop there. It's not only hope. Jesus allows them to do their worst. And when they'd finished, he was more alive than when they started. He says, yes, it's down, but then it's up. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Other power seeks to dominate and seeks to destroy, but resurrection power brings life. Do you know what? We will often fill out of our depth uh, at work, in our family situation, in our own mental health or with our own sin, but none of that compares to this challenge. There is no greater obstacle to life than being dead. Being dead is the most impossible thing to overcome because you're dead. So there is nothing you can do to rectify your situation. But what we see here is that God is a God who saves even from death. He is a God who lifts up the lowly, who gives resurrection life. Which is good news, because as it's a gift, that means you didn't earn it by deserving it, so you can't lose it by not living up to it. We see this in the disciples. like, like The reading starts with them hiding in a locked room. And then Jesus appears, and to be honest, things don't get much better. We read, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Like three years they've been with him and that's the best explanation they can come up with for what's going on. And so Jesus offers them proof of his resurrection, which is his presence with them. And then he teaches them what this means by doing what we're doing now, looking at his word in the Bible. And this grows into a confidence that a few weeks later they become so confident you can't stop them talking about it. They even get arrested by the religious police who who tell them to stop and warn them saying, look, we've got the power to kill you, to which they basically reply, okay, and how did that work out for you with Jesus? Give us your best shot. Seeing from how far down to how far up the power of the resurrection lifted Jesus, gives us the confidence to know that we can be free from our sin, that we can be free from the fear of death and that what happened to Jesus then will be what we experience now in our lives and in the future in our deaths. If he rose from the dead and that power is in us, then we will rise from the dead too. Look, it doesn't matter from how far down you've come if he has raised you up. The resurrection of Jesus means that you can know that his purposes cannot ultimately be frustrated, but will be fulfilled. Jesus says this about himself. He says, look, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. I I think there's about like 400, direct prophecies about Jesus that are fulfilled and way more echoes and expectations. Do you know what? If God can fulfill all of those in Jesus, He can more than fulfill you. You may have lost a lot. Your dreams may have died, but all things have to die in order for God to resurrect them. And the promise is that whatever your own ambition was or other expectations are for your life, when you lay it down in obedience to Jesus, when you let it die, what he gives you back is more greater, more gooder, more glorious than you can ever imagine. It did not look good at the crucifixion, but it looked very good at the resurrection. And that can be our story too. The bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead shows that God is committed to us and to our world and two, it's restoration, which lands us in the third thing, the third thing Jesus wants his disciples to know about the resurrection right away. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Because we know that no situation is too far down, that Jesus is present even there, because we have seen the power that he has to lift us up, that he was dead and he is now alive, this turns our expectation into engagement. Down, up, and then out. Like Jesus, because this resurrection power is at work in us, we can voluntarily enter into dark places in prayer and in action, to fight for victims of injustice, to pray and work against corruption, to serve those who are in need, and most importantly, to go and share the good news that God is for us. He's forgiven our sin and He wants to be in relationship with us. If you get the opportunity to talk to somebody about the resurrection of Jesus, uh, this is a great place to start. You can say, well, the first thing that Jesus told his disciples uh, about the resurrection was this, down. It doesn't matter how bad it gets, up. Jesus can make all things new and out. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. Jesus's words here are everything that we long for. This is what it means when it says, Jesus is the desire of the nations. We all want freedom from the past. That's found in the forgiveness of sins. And we all want to hope for the future that is found in repentance, stepping into new life. And incredibly, we're not in competition with each other. It's available to all nations. It's kind of like the resurrection is everything you've hoped for, but you didn't hope for enough. Uh, We're called for a purpose, and because of the resurrection, we can know, we can know, we can know that that purpose cannot be ultimately frustrated, but will be fulfilled. As we looked at earlier, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. See, ultimately, what is fulfilled It's not about us, it's about him. It's about Jesus. We are part of his story, his plan, his purposes. Yes, God's resurrection power is for you, but it's not only just for you. I'm gonna try and demonstrate this. If you guys could bring, oh, thank you guys so much. We're gonna try and demonstrate this uh, for everyone. Thank you, Wendy, thank you, Abby. So this, is you, say hi to your new self, you're a little lighter after the pandemic. We all know that as you go through life, as you go through this world and its temptations, they affect us, They uh, stuff sticks to you. It can feel like quite quickly that you're in a pretty desperate place. And what we've been told by Jesus is that because of the cross and the resurrection, you can be completely and utterly transformed, made new, set free, full of resurrection power that brings us from death to life. But if you stop there, you've missed the potential of the power that you carry. Because resurrection power that is in you brings you from death to life and isn't only in you for you, but is in for the world around you. As you realize the potential of the power you carry, you are pushed out into the world, into your workplace, into your family, into your school, into your university, and you're able to play your part in bringing transformation for God's glory. That is resurrection power. Thanks guys. Jesus' resurrection power will always push you out into the world around you so that you see change. Yes, it's for you, but it's for the people around you as well. This is you when you share your faith. This is you when you give food to the hungry, when you comfort the discouraged. This is you when you forgive, when you invite someone to Alpha. This is you when in any way Die to yourself, big or small, in order to serve the other in love. In that moment when you die to yourself, you can be sure that resurrection power is at work in you and through you. Because wherever Jesus is present, whenever there is a death, there is always a resurrection. And it isn't always as obvious and as immediate as it was in our illustration. Because the Messiah suffered, it it means that things aren't as we expect. They're often topsy-turvy. He waited till the third day to rise again. He left them hanging. There is often a wait. It takes faith to wait and to see the effect. And so the next thing Jesus says to his disciples is this. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. He lands it in two simple things, witness and wait, both of which we can all do. We can all witness to what Jesus has done in our lives. You don't need any training. You just share what God has done for you. I I once was a witness in court and um, I saw a robbery take place Uh, and in court, do you know what? They weren't interested in my opinion. They weren't interested in my interpretation, nor were they interested in my amateur sleuth detective skills. All they wanted to know is what I saw, what I witnessed, and then they told me to go away. That is all Jesus wants you to share with others, what you've already experienced and received from him. I, I was angry and now I've discovered a new strength to be patient. I was full of fear and now I have courage. I was always getting things wrong and, well, I'm still always getting things wrong, but Jesus still loves me. We only share what we've seen. And the second is wait. We wait on the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I'm gonna send you what my father has promised. He has promised to give you his Holy Spirit. So again, it's not about how good you are or how much you know, how much you deserve it. He gives us this gift because he loves to give. And what does the Holy Spirit bring? He says, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. This was the original MCO, stay put guys. And it must have been so hard. Look at this group of people. The disciples had the most equipped training, the most enlightened teaching, the most exciting testimony. And Jesus says, that's not enough. Why? Because it's not about us. He says, you need my Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit who brings the power of the resurrection into our lives, who brings dead things back to life and is at work mightily in our lives if we let him alternative is try harder. Try harder. That's my default false view of God. That God is very far away and I need to try very hard. And when I fail, God will be disappointed and he'll forgive me because he knows I'm weak. Now try again. But that's not what Jesus says here. Yes, God's grace will pick you up when you fail, but it's also there before you fail to keep you strong so that you don't have to. His Holy Spirit is with us now to change our hearts, to change your mind, to change your desires, to reorientate your life and to give you meaning and value, passion and purpose, to give you resurrection power in your life. He says, wait until you've received the Holy Spirit and resurrection power from on high. So, should we do that now? Why don't you stand wherever you are and we're gonna invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill us afresh and clothe us with this power. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love you. We love what you do, the way that you do it. And we ask that you would come now, wherever we are, pray come Holy Spirit, come and fill your people. Take these words of Jesus, we pray, and make them alive in our lives. Pray for all those who are in a, a desperate place at the moment. Lord Jesus, encourage us that you are there. Lord, for those of us in that place, we look to your coming again in glory when you will make all things new. And we ask that your kingdom will come today. And Lord, we, we say we're here. In the power of your spirit send us out we pray to share this news holy spirit we can't do it without you and i just had a sense uh, for some i think it was this word committed and it was you, you felt that maybe the lord's not committed to you and the resurrection shows that he is shows that he's committed he came back bodily as a person at a time and a place It shows that he is committed to this world and he is committed to you. And so, if you need to receive that today, just say, Lord, just show me your commitment afresh now. Now, if you'd like prayer for anything else, uh, just put it in the chat now, and the team uh, would love to pray for you. Uh, But for the rest of us, let's respond now in worship.